Hey, it's Greg Brown. Grab your logbook, because it's time for another cockpit adventure from the flying carpet. I'm an aviation author, adventure columnist, photographer, former National Flight Instructor of the Year, and Barnes & Noble Arizona Author of the Month. The Flying Carpet is a four-place single-engine light airplane. In it, my wife Jean and I have long traveled the North American continent, searching behind clouds for the real America, and experiencing aerial adventures like today's all along the way. Learn more at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, where you can also see photos from most episodes. And I'd appreciate your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Okay, folks, time to crowd aboard the flying carpet. Buckle up your seatbelts and prepare for takeoff on flight number five, Ode to Night Currency. Clear prop. I taxi my noisy little capsule toward the runway, arm out the window, encased in a tiny dim cocoon of navigation lights and red beacon flashes. My world feels so small, and the surrounding black universe so big. I'm practicing night landings this evening, and it's a dark one. No matter how trusty your steed, you can't escape feeling vulnerable launching into a moonless night in a dark place like this. Tonight, as always, I attempt to motivate my decision-making based on facts, not emotion. Although I arrived at the airport nervous and will take off nervous, I've done my homework and the facts say I'll be fine. Night flying certainly presents additional risks, but it's exotic and it's cool and strangely tranquil once you're aloft. So I grit my teeth and go, knowing that I'll rise to the occasion, however challenging it may be. We learn valuable things about ourselves through piloting. Before takeoff, I carefully scan the flying carpet's flight controls through the windows with my flashlight and perform an extra thorough engine run-up. On a dark night, it's extra important to identify any problems before takeoff. Then I squelch the butterflies, breathe deeply, and take the runway. Tonight, I plan to perform my landings without leaving the standard rectangular traffic pattern. I'll turn left 90 degrees onto crosswind leg after takeoff, perpendicular to the runway, then make another left onto downwind leg paralleling the runway opposite my takeoff direction, and then I'll turn left again onto base leg, and from there, turn final approach for landing. Sure, our little city will appear on downwind to base each circuit, but in every other direction will be nothing but black, black, black. Adding to the challenge will be nearby mountains and anemic airplane performance at Flagstaff's 7,000-foot elevation. Instrument flying skills will be required, and I dare not lose situational awareness while I'm up there. First Circuit Normally, I time night currency flights when moonlight offers at least a glimpse of the hills and ridges below. But this month's opportunity was fogged out. So tonight, a bit more apprehensive than usual, I launch into utter darkness. 
It's warm this evening, meaning the air has thinned to the performance equivalent of nearly 9,000 foot density altitude. So the airplane sluggishly rolls and rolls and rolls down the runway as if it will never take off. Finally, but ever so slowly, the nose wheel rises and my flying carpet skitters aloft. I then accelerate just inches above the pavement in ground effect to climb speed. Hardly aloft, I clench my teeth and punch darkness beyond the runway. Beneath me threaten invisible 50-foot pines and rolling foothills, while just a few miles ahead lurks 1,000-foot-tall Woody Ridge. Agonizing moments after takeoff, my flying carpet finally reaches 500 feet, so I wheel slowly into a left-climbing turn, steering a dogleg crosswind over the few car lights on Interstate 17 below. It's always desirable to climb over lights in hilly or mountainous areas so you know for sure where the ground is, plus the highway offers a landing place in a pinch. After what seems like forever, I finally level at pattern altitude on downwind and reduce power. Engine roughness! Thankfully, a shot of carburetor heat cures it. Despite clear skies tonight, there must be enough moisture in the air to freeze in the carburetor. I key the mic five times to make sure that the pilot-activated runway lights don't abandon me, and I adjust my heading for drift. Now, for a blissful moment, I survey the sparkling lights of town beyond the runway before refocusing for my first landing. You know, the challenges of piloting evolve, but they never go away. Fortunately, the rewards of overcoming those challenges never go away either. Hurtling through blackness and depending on my faithful engine to keep running, I ponder how close to the edge this activity takes me and how thrilling that is in a mostly safe and sane world. Turning base leg to final, I find myself high. I chop power in hopes of touching down early near the runway numbers so there's room to stop and go. But if not, I'll just taxi back to runway's end for the next takeoff. Ugh. Now I'm low and must reapply power. It works, and I stabilize my approach for a firm but acceptable landing. One down, two to go. Second circuit. Takeoff feels ever so slightly less intimidating this time. After all, my flying carpet is purring like a kitten, and I survived the first circuit, didn't I? The regs require three night takeoffs and landings every 90 days to carry passengers after dark, but that's hardly enough. Every time I head out to practice night landings, I think to myself, do I really need to do these? But then I'm immediately and decisively humbled the moment I take flight. Yet in the process, there's always great reward, recognizing in those first shaky turns around the pattern that I indeed needed the practice and then comfort and pride in accomplishing my mission successfully. I suspect I'm pretty typical sticking to daytime the first few years I had my license. Then, when planning a long trip one time, where night flying might be beneficial, I retained an instructor for serious recurrent night training. But like most of us, once I became comfortable flying by starlight, I was hooked. 
Occasionally, you'll hear pilots say, why waste the effort and money to stay night current? I don't plan to fly at night. But night competence offers additional options when you need them for fun, safety, or utility. And the practice enhances daytime piloting, too. That's why I keep night current all the time, even though applying those skills only occasionally. When I do need them, they're there. It also helps me gauge and maintain confidence in my airplane's night flying readiness. Enough daydreaming. It's time for my next landing. This time I accomplish a nice stabilized approach, but in the final moments, drop in the flare with a thump. Okay, I'm going to make the next one perfect. That determination and the focus required to accomplish it dispel any remaining apprehensions on this third takeoff. Third Circuit Takeoff and climb-out feel nearly normal this time, yielding more time to think. Relaxing a bit, I recall treasured sights from years of orbiting the night pattern. Camaraderie with the moon in all her phases. City lights spread before me like a spilled bowl of stars. And snow-covered ground inverted under black sky by starlight. One time, Circling the pattern in Mesa, Arizona, Gene and I noted a gigantic, spooky vertical apparition in the western sky. More about that in a future episode. There have been lessons, too. One sparkling winter night, I dug out the hangar following a snowstorm, extracted the airplane, and phoned for weather. Looks like a nice night for it, said the briefer. Clear skies and southwesterly surface winds at eight knots, right down the runway. Later in the briefing, however, when it came to forecast winds aloft, he mentioned 9,000-foot winds at 42 knots from the southwest. Huh? 50-mile-an-hour winds 2,000 feet above the ground? Just 1,000 feet above traffic pattern altitude? Surely that couldn't be right on such a tranquil evening. I just invested all that energy shoveling out the hangar, and the wind seemed virtually calm. Just to be sure, I phoned the control tower requesting any turbulence or wind shear reports. None that I've heard chuckled the controller as if I'd dialed a wrong number. It's beautiful out there. I didn't think to ask him if anyone else had been flying. He closed the tower for the night in the same transmission as giving me my initial takeoff clearance. If only he had stuck around a few moments for a pilot report. Whoa, the flying carpet yawed as her wheels left the ground, bucked like a wild horse as I struggled for altitude, and then rocketed through downwind leg under a monster tailwind. I must have drifted at least half a mile on base turn, then had to add power to compensate on final approach. Night landings at Flagstaff are challenging any time between the darth of ground lights and anemic airplane performance at this high elevation. Now you add turbulence from that evening's powerful winds blowing over mountainous terrain, and I felt like I was bronc-busting. Lesson learned. Even as surface winds calm after dark, winds aloft often intensify. No more flying on such evenings. My reverie's broken by a lifeguard king air reporting inbound with patients from the Navajo Nation and the tower asks me to turn a right 360 on downwind for spacing. However, I've noted haze around my landing light. 
And combining that with the engine roughness earlier, even though there's a good temperature dew point spread, I'm concerned that fog or stratus clouds might be forming and that a 360 here could be disorienting. Therefore, I ask to extend my downwind leg instead. Then, after the King Air has landed, I turn a long final over the glistening lights of town and nail my final landing. I rest in the cockpit for a while after shutdown, my heart rate easing in harmony with the tune of instrument gyros winding down and groove to the thrill of what I've just done. I wonder sometimes whether glass cockpit pilots miss the singing of those gyros. Anyway, even after decades of piloting, night landings remain tough, beautiful, a little scary, and immensely rewarding. What's more, in less than 30 minutes aloft, all those pre-flight fears and apprehensions have been displaced by just a single thought. I can't believe we get to do this. Thanks for riding along on today's Flying Carpet Adventure. Please help me continue this podcast by sharing your favorite Flying Carpet episodes on social media, posting reviews on your favorite podcast directories, and donating via my Greg Brown Flying Carpet website. Thanks in advance for your support. You can find photos from most episodes at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please check out my book of aviation adventure stories, Flying Carpet, The Soul of an Airplane, for which I was named Barnes & Noble Arizona Author of the Month. Learn about that and my other aviation books at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. Also at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, you'll find my views from the flying carpet aerial photography, available in fine art metal prints and pilot achievement plaques. Oh, and I'd appreciate hearing your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Follow my social media sites, most of which can be found by searching Greg Brown Flying Carpet. And consider joining my student pilot pep talk group on Facebook. Thanks again for joining me on today's Flying Carpet Cockpit Adventure. Music by Hannes Brown. See you next time. <laughs>